Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. My name is Brett Craig, and here's my story. I'm a former chief creative officer that worked at two of the biggest ad agencies on the West Coast for some of the most famous brands in the world. About two years ago, I was canceled for a five-year-old casting email that someone posted on Instagram. I used some imperfect language. It was taken out of context, and it all happened in the middle of the racial tensions of 2020. The social media mobbing that ensued in the comment section below my email posted on Instagram caused me to lose my job and to be called some rather ugly names that I never thought I'd be called. Suddenly, I went from the top of my career to no career at all. Canceled. Even friends that supported me privately wouldn't come near me publicly. I'm a Christian, and I do believe that God is working all things together for my good, but it was quite honestly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But it was also strangely liberating. I woke up to a new world, full of uncertainty, but also full of opportunity. The opportunity to do something in short supply in the corporate world today. Tell the truth. I no longer had to be conflicted promoting ideas I don't agree with. And in these times of deceit, I counted a privilege to be able to speak honestly. That's what the AdWoke podcast is all about. I'm going to give it to you straight. We're going to occasionally laugh, and I'm going to say the things you're not allowed to say. Not because I just want to be provocative, although the truth is often provocative, but because I believe the truth will set you free. Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. Today, I want to talk about how Apple has become Big Brother. Just another arm of the establishment, the state, the man, if you will, and how Elon Musk has oddly become the populist hero, despite being the richest man in the world. I will also read today my manifesto ad for Apple, entitled Think Similar, as opposed to Think Different, at the end. So don't miss that, uh, because it's it's pretty special. So I want to talk today about the irony of Apple becoming Big Brother, given that Apple and the agency that I used to work for, TBWA Shiat Day, where I worked for 12 years, made 1984 the famous Super Bowl ad said to be the greatest ad of all time. And that ad was quite literally taking a shot at Big Brother, which was IBM at the time. And of course, it was referencing George Orwell's famous book, which was a critique of totalitarianism. That's what 1984 was about. And the irony of This clash of brands that's happening right now, Apple versus Elon Musk, is just so rich. Because as we fast forward to 2022, and Apple is actually apparently considering banning Twitter from its app store, it's just the irony is too much to bear, actually. And and why is that? Well, uh, according to Elon Musk, why are they going to ban Apple uh, is a good question. Because Apple isn't really saying why. But of course, we all know why. Musk has stated his intention to protect and promote gasp, free speech. That is the crime that Elon Musk apparently has committed. And we know if there's one thing this totalitarian moment we're living in can't handle, it's freedom of speech. That is something that cannot be tolerated. Why is that? Well, glad you asked, because if you hadn't noticed, we're being lied to constantly about everything. Even the most basic facts of life have been twisted into lies, like the idea that a man can become a real woman. In fact, the NHL, no less, just tweeted this lie out recently, saying trans women are women. And I'll put that tweet in the show notes. 
But by implication, that means there is no biological reality to being a woman. You just say you're a woman and you are one. And this is a lie. But it's one of the dozens of lies we're being told every day. And these lies are not being told by some crank or crackpot spouting off about these absurd and dangerous ideas or fibs, if we shall be more accurate to call them. It's our elites. It's our most powerful institutions that are propagating these lies. And when our elites in big government and big corporations lie on such a fundamental level about such things as what a woman is, then the only way to suppress the inevitable dissent that is sure to arise from people who know they're being lied to is to squash their speech. After all, a lie is no match for the truth. So the only option for totalitarian uh, elite establishment types uh, is to shut people up. The fact that Apple might participate in this suppression uh, and censorship of speech by banning Twitter from the App Store, I don't think that they've done that yet, but they might, This should frighten us, actually, because it means that even the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, a media darling just a year or two ago, can't buy just one social media company out of dozens and promote freer speech, right, without running afoul of some unseen force that seems to be able to compel Tim Cook and Apple to ponder banning Musk's Twitter. Again, for what reason is Apple pondering banning Twitter? We don't know, because according to Musk, Apple won't say. Like a typical totalitarian ruler, apparently Apple doesn't feel the need to give a reason. And that's because we know the reason anyway. It's because Musk has become an arch enemy of the establishment, an establishment that turns out to have quite the totalitarian impulse. But again, why are they against Musk? Because Musk is taking the proverbial boot off the neck of tweets everywhere and letting them tweet freely once again. And he should do this, by the way, because we all know the bans on Twitter pre-Musk were arbitrary and capricious and seemed only to punish one side. Basically, the side uh, (laughs) basically punished anybody who wouldn't obey, frankly, but often that's seems like Republicans, conservatives, and even old-school liberals are pretty much anyone willing to challenge the orthodoxy. The woke left loved their monopoly on discourse on Twitter and on all social media, but it's ultimately anti-American and anti-First Amendment in the extreme. So it's good that Musk is reversing that, and apparently right now about 60,000 different accounts are being unbanned and reinstated. But again, the irony that Apple might participate in suppressing speech by... Um, banning Twitter from its app store. Well, this this just couldn't be more rich. Again, this is the company, right, whose coming out party was the famous 1984 Super Bowl spot entitled, yes, 1984, created by Lee Clow and Steve Hayden, two ad giants. Uh, and I worked for Lee Clow for many years, and I can tell you he was an amazing uh, thinker uh, and creative and art director, Uh, And this spot directed by the famous Ridley Scott took direct aim at the notion of authoritarian and monopolistic control over others. Uh, And this spot, 1984, which opens in a dystopian future, positioned Apple as the challenger to Big Brother, which was a reference to IBM, as I said, and its droll kind of beige computers and not-so-user-friendly operating systems that didn't even have things like a mouse, of course, 
1984 was also a reference to Orwell's famous book, 1984, where Big Brother, which is the leader of Oceana, a totalitarian state whose ruling party wields total power for its own sake over its citizens, in this society that Orwell describes, every person is under persistent surveillance by the powers that be. The eerie slogan repeated throughout the book is, Big Brother is watching you. And again, I'm just going to keep saying this, but the irony is so rich because, of course, like Big Brother, Apple knows everything about us now. It knows your heart rate. It's mapped your face. It has all your banking information, credit card information, your fingerprints. Apple knows everything you buy, everything you return and buy again. It knows what you like to eat when you're walking or driving or sleeping or if you've fallen down. It knows what your hobbies are, and it probably knows things about you that you would wish no one would know. And with devices like Apple HomePod, it's probably listening to you too, likely even recording your voice. Uh, And, you know, I say this as somebody who owns two of those devices. Apple is the surveillance state today. It's the biggest, most profitable company with a market cap near $3 trillion, which is bigger than most countries' GDP. Apple has become Big Brother. But back in the day, a hippie-loving Steve Jobs, who studied fonts in college and was first and foremost a designer, a person who loved aesthetics, wanted to create a more human computer and began to do just that in the late 70s and early 80s starting in his garage, I believe. Hence, Jobs' approachable choice and name for the brand, Apple. And so the Super Bowl ad 1984 was all about positioning Apple as the computer for humans, free-thinking, creative, and artistic people, which would challenge the hegemonic dominance of IBM and soon Microsoft, which owned the entire desktop computer market uh, and uh Windows certainly would come to dominate that not long after. And so Jobs takes this very big risk back in 1984. And according to the stories I've been told when I was at TBWA Shiat Day, at least, the Super Bowl ad uh, 1984 was actually killed by Apple. But then the media buy couldn't be stopped. They had already bought it. And so it, it ends up running against the better judgment of Apple's board. And obviously they thought this ad could be some kind of disaster for them. I think Steve Jobs believed in it, but the board was not so sure. Uh, And so this Super Bowl ad, of course, goes on to be a smashing success, and it changes brand and Super Bowl advertising forever. The reason we have all the pomp and circumstance around Super Bowl ads to this day is because of Apple's 1984. The commercial elevates and pushes creativity. It pushed the scale of what we thought was possible in an advertisement. It set a new bar for storytelling and advertising and even media buying because um, it was very cleverly done. It's entitled 1984. It's based on Orwell's uh, predictions about 1984. And, of course, it's bought in 1984's Super Bowl. Uh, So the, the whole thing was just a very smart media buy, an incredibly ambitious ad, and a brilliant idea. And if you remember, the spot starts by showing catatonic-looking people marching like drones or zombies in these odd sort of tubes. Looks like something out of Minority Report or something. And then all these people gathered together, sitting in this droll, gray amphitheater of some kind, while we hear this Claude Schwab... 
World Economic Forum, some kind of Klaus Schwab type barking from the screen, this tyrannical technocrat telling the audience of pale, lifeless humans about the perfect world that Big Brother will deliver. And it's funny. When you watch the spot today, you catch things like the fact that many people are masked, which is just such an interesting artistic choice that they made way back in 1984, especially when you consider what we just went through with COVID. It's just a prescient decision by Lee Clow and Ridley Scott and Steve Hayden because it so perfectly predicts a future they couldn't have known, which we just lived through, where the masks over our faces seem to be about something more than just protection, but also about making us faceless and muted members of a collective hive mind and removing our individuality, which, of course, is most communicated by our face. And it's not by accident the people in the famous spot are dressed in dystopian gray, deadened, looking straight ahead as if in a trance. Again, like the last few years, this sense of a hive mind has emerged in which our elites tell us what to think and we're supposed to just sit there and take it as they tell us blatant lies. Lies that if we were to speak up and challenge, well, you could lose your job. Like Jennifer Say of Levi's, the former CMO, uh, who simply questioned COVID mitigation policy concerning kids and she lost her job. So in the spot, instead of pushing back, people become deadened to the lies, like the drone-like people that we see in the amphitheater or that gathering of people in front of the screen in 1984. And in the spot 1984, we also see what appears to be Stasi-like police, almost like stormtroopers who, again, bear an eerie resemblance not to just China's uh, Chinese Communist Party police, but also to the EU and Canadian police that beat protesters to a pulp for protesting vaccine passports and endless lockdowns that were destroying their businesses last year or the year before. Um, Again, just such prescient choices by Lee Clow, Steve Hayden, and Ridley Scott in the ad agency TVWA Shia Day. Of course, back then it was just called Shia Day. Uh, But incredibly interesting choices that seem to mean so much more today. In any case, while this might have been an hyperbolic marketing shot at Big Brother and IBM's desktop dominance by Steve Jobs and Apple, it's also, like I said, so eerily relevant today. And I suppose that's because 1984 is more sort of timely than ever today, Um, because suddenly we're living in what feels like, well, 1984. We're atomized. Uh, Many of us are still masked. I got off a plane the other day in Seattle, and I noticed all these people coming in, or actually it was not in Seattle, it was in Reno, and all these people landing, uh, and they were coming in from Seattle. Half the plane was masked. And I I imagine Seattle being kind of a blue state uh, major city sort of is representative of a lot of blue state major cities, a lot of people still wearing masks. But we're also censored today. And conversely, our speech seems to be compelled via things like personal preferred pronouns. We're told we... um, need to put those on our emails, things like that. And, and we all know this on some level, that something is afoot that 
is just not what we've come to be used to in America. This is not uh, the climate that we're used to in terms of free speech and just the level of fear we feel when we do exercise our free speech. Now, in the commercial 1984, the climax features a woman who runs out in a jogging outfit amongst the hive mind zombie citizens staring at the screen. She's the only woman in the whole spot, which was obviously intentional, of course, and she's everything everyone around her is not. She's fit, tan, colorful. She's wearing red shorts and a white tank top. And she swings a sledgehammer uh, at the screen and throws it into the air. Uh, the screen is projecting our evil antagonist, the Klaus Schwab-like Dr. Evil character that's yammering on about how Big Brother is creating a garden of pure ideology and some other feel-good collectivist one-world government nonsense. And at this point, you might be saying to yourself, it sounds familiar because it does. But in any case, the female jogger swings the sledgehammer into the screen. The screen shatters, and the commercial then ends with this promise from Apple. On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. But if Apple has become the big brother they once warned us about, who has become the very embodiment of the sledgehammer-wielding hero at the moment? Well, clearly, that's Elon Musk, who's decided to throw down the gauntlet and outright call out Apple for its monopolistic and censorial practices. Musk tweeted this week to his 119 million followers the following, and this is just a sampling of some of the things he said. One tweet said, Apple has threatened to withhold Twitter from its app store, but won't tell us why. Uh, He tweeted that on November 28th. Uh, Musk also tweeted this, Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? And then Musk also said this, it's a real problem. Apple and Google effectively control access to most of the internet via their app stores. Wow, that is an amazing thing to consider. And then finally, uh, Elon calls out Tim Cook directly. He says in a tweet on November 28th, again, this is kind of this Twitter um, rant he went on. What's going on here at Tim Cook? So he calls out Tim Cook directly, uh, Elon Musk Musk does. Uh, And in response uh, to Apple's continued silence, Elon even seemed to indicate later in the day, I think he tweeted again, that he'd be up for creating his own phone if push came to shove. And all this to say, what we might not have imagined, and certainly I never imagined, is that the so-called quote-unquote free market And corporations like Apple, who once positioned themselves as being for artists, rebels, and free thinkers, would eventually become the very thing they once stood against. Surveillance, monopolistic practices, and censorship. And in fact, they might even ban the world's town square, Twitter, right? The digital town square, from even being sold on their app store. Tim Cook is said to be heading to Washington uh, to speak to lawmakers as we speak. That's my understanding. But what else can we conclude, right, when Tim Cook and Apple seem to be threatening Elon Musk with being banned from the App Store? Again, for what reason does anyone know? For promoting free speech? For promoting the First Amendment and the Bill of Rights? Our most precious right? Really? 
Apple, you're going to ban Twitter for promoting the free exchange of ideas, the bedrock of being American, the birthright of every citizen. And so I think we can can conclude that Apple might be hiding behind the media's scurrilous charges against Musk, uh, that he's some kind of proponent of hate speech and all the other things they're saying about him, uh, in order to protect their monopoly. I mean, it's no secret Musk isn't a fan of Apple. There is no CarPlay compatibility in Tesla. So it's very possible that Apple is using this as a way to put a moat around their business too. you know, kind of brush that uppity Elon Musk off the plate a little because he's getting a little too big for his britches. And let's not forget, Apple is working on their own electric smart car too. So being against free speech may be only part of why Apple is opposing Elon's Twitter 2.0. Uh, And in fairness, if there's a criticism of Musk from Apple's POV, it might be that Elon is only using the sledgehammer of free speech against Apple because it's a way to gain popular support for his own business plans, which includes an all-in-one ecosystem he hinted uh, he intends to build, which he called the X app. In any case, I want to return to Apple and its former brand positioning as a challenger. And this is because this is relevant to me and what I do as an advertising guy and uh, having all this experience building brands. So I want to return to Apple and its former brand positioning as a challenger and a champion of the people, because I think that's the part that I find so ironic because, um, and, and it's the reason why I think the irony only gets more and more rich because it wasn't just 13 years later, after 1984, after we that spot that I just played little clips for you um, from the famous Super Bowl ad that Apple would reemerge once again as the challenger to this time Microsoft in the PC's dominance. Uh, the Mercurial Jobs, who was voted out by his own board, you know, leaves Apple in 1985. Apple flounders and nearly goes completely under, partly because of the guidance of former Pepsi CEO John Scully, who ironically Jobs hired, and who later Scully in 19. I think, uh, yeah, 1985, like I said, helped get Jobs fired from Apple, right? And so Jobs leaves and does this venture called Next and tries to do something different with a computer. I don't think it does much. Uh, But in all that time, from 85 to 96 or 97, somewhere around there, Apple is missing their spiritual leader, Jobs. And of course, well, Apple tanks. Its stock at one point is worth 10 cents on December 31st, 1997. But on December 31st, 1997, at least Jobs is back and he's named interim CEO of Apple. And one of the first things that he does is tap my former boss, Lee Clow, and my former ad agency, TBWA Shiatea, or Shiatea as it was called back then, to see if they can once again conjure up the same advertising magic that was on display in 1984 in the Super Bowl. And lo and behold... Steve Jobs, Lee Clow, Apple, and Day pull it off again. And once again, Apple takes on the hegemonic dominance in the industry, this time by Bill Gates and Microsoft Windows. And once again, uh, the beige personal computers Windows runs on uh, from boring desktop computer makers. There were all kinds of them at that time, from Gateway to Dell, and some of them around and some of them aren't. Uh, But at this point, however, Apple will be lucky to survive this monopolistic environment dominated by PC and Windows software, even with jobs at the helm. Remember, Apple has no products to launch. 
at that moment. And keep in mind, there's no iPad, no iPhone, no iCloud, no Apple ecosystem. That's all to come much later. There's not even an Apple desktop that is worth talking about uh, that they could release. Apple has fallen that far behind during their time without Steve Jobs. And it seems Big Brother in its beige and boring world will win after all. So... Lee Clow comes back with this brilliant creative solution, especially when Apple has no products. Uh, And Jobs, after much back and forwards, at least that's how the story goes, in which Jobs says he hates the copy, Jobs finally approves the ad at the behest of Lee Clow, who's super passionate about the ad and I think stood up for it like all great creative directors do. Uh, And the ad has this simple promise to the world in it uh, in 1997. And that's this, that Apple will be the brand that will stand for thinking different. Uh, And so this tagline was kind of funny because it was grammatically uh, incorrect, but it was a brilliant line, think different. Uh, And uh, and it was made a huge impact in the culture. And I still believe that think different in this ad was not only a brilliant marketing solution to Apple's problem and the perfect re-entry into the popular consciousness, but it's also some of the most inspired words um, ever written about creativity by anyone, even if it is just an ad, at least in my humble opinion. Now, the spot is all black and white, and it's simply a montage of pre-existing footage of people like Einstein, Muhammad Ali, Gandhi, Lucille Ball. Um, Ted Turner, Richard Branson, Jim Hansen, Amelia Earhart, and Picasso, and many more. Uh, But I want you to listen to the words of Think Different, this 60-second ode to people who are free-thinking and break the mold. And again, consider the irony of what Apple has become. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers. The round pegs in the square holes. The ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. If you asked me who in the world at the moment most fits that description in Apple's Think Different, someone who thinks differently, someone alternatively glorified and vilified, someone often called crazy, someone changing the world in all kinds of ways, the first person that comes to mind today is Elon Musk. Originally, I think the ad was largely about Steve Jobs. I mean, at least that's how I read it. Whenever you look at those words, it really described Steve Jobs to a T back then. But today's Steve Jobs is Elon Musk. Again, this is what I mean by the rich irony of what's transpired with this newly sensorial Apple trying to put the kibosh on free speech advocate and provocateur Elon Musk. After all, Elon Musk is the kind of person who Apple claimed to be making computers for, rule breakers, 
You know, the ones that disrupt, the crazy ones, they said, the ones that make us think. And remember, not one computer is actually shown in the Think Different commercial. It's just an ode to people who think differently. It was all about an ethos, a feeling, um, and just about encouraging people to be individuals, to be contrarians, to be a little rebellious, to be square pegs in round holes. That's what we should all aspire to be, Apple was saying, and they were the computer for those kinds of people. But again, think about where we are today. Think about the state of creativity in the ad industry and in Hollywood. The conformist mind virus of wokeness is killing creativity. And the main way that it does that is by enforcing in a universal moral code and imposing it on everyone through compelled speech or by censoring speech. Think different. We're not even allowed to think at all. We're not allowed to exchange ideas for fear of uttering the wrong thing or triggering some kind of woke tripwire and blowing ourselves up and maybe our careers. We're not allowed to challenge the woke orthodoxy. And the biggest reason that's so is because corporations like Apple are hell-bent on censoring, deplatforming, and even banning whole applications like Twitter, if need be. Consider how far... Apple has fallen from its original brand tree. And like I said, increasingly, Apple and so many big tech corporations are a big reason why we aren't allowed to, yes, think different today. Even the richest man in the world is seemingly finding it very hard to think different about what could make a great social platform, one that maybe supports freer speech, perhaps. And this pressure to conform, to not think different, but to think similar is also coming from those around us. One thing the woke, um, you learn about the woke, is their tendency to see themselves as moral agents, policing others for the betterment of all mankind. They tell us things like speech is violence and that their safety is threatened anytime you disagree with them. And so you have companies like Apple pressing down on us, forcing conformity of thought from above, but you also have the wokists, as I call them, enforcing conformity from the bottom up. And Big Brother and the woke reinforce each other. This is how totalitarianism works. One of the things that Matthias Desmond, and I really encourage you to read his book uh, or watch some videos with Matthias Desmond, says in his theory about how totalitarianism takes root, uh, he calls it a phenomenon known as mass formation psychosis. That's what he calls it, in which he argues We're in such a totalitarian moment now in which mass formation psychosis is happening. Uh, Desmond says that totalitarianism is a pact between the elites, in our case, big government and big corp, and a zealous minority of the population. In other words, totalitarianism is not like a dictatorship where you're afraid of maybe a single person or family like a Saddam Hussein or Muammar Gaddafi or... uh, I don't know, even, I suppose, um, a Hitler uh, would be a good example. Instead, although I think Hitler was a totalitarian too, instead citizens are afraid of the people around them in a totalitarian state. They're afraid of their neighbors, their coworkers, their family. And this, uh, uh, Matthias Desmond says, is the diabolical unsaid pact that is made by our elites in big government and big corporation uh, with our neighbors, our coworkers, and family. Together, they are big brother. 
one pushing from the public sector, the other from the private sector like Apple, and they have about 30% of the population zealously enforcing their totalitarian edicts. It's the woke around you who will turn you in if you run afoul of their hive mind. It's the old Twitter safety guidelines team. It's your coworker who flags your email. It's that vendor who overheard your wrong think and tells your HR team. It's the App Store trust and safety team who screens apps for Apple's App Store. And that's how totalitarianism actually works. It's a combination of elite rulers from the top down reinforced by your neighbors that ultimately turn you in because they are more loyal to Big Brother than they are to their friends, co-workers, and family. That's because they believe there's a revolution, a utopia to achieve, you see. And if you don't believe that's what's happening, that a vice grip is clamping down from top and bottom, forcing us to conform rather than think different, as Apple used to tell us, then ask yourself, Do you really feel freer to speak today? If you're a creative in advertising, let's say, do you feel, quote-unquote, safe, as the woke like to say? If you're a corporate leader, do you feel safe to speak your mind these days? Do you feel you must take certain positions? And we all know what those positions are. Certain social justice positions, LGBTQ, AI+, positions, BLM, equity, pronouns, DEI, critiquing so-called whiteness. In other words, you must think similarly. You must conform to the woke worldview or risk having your livelihood taken from you. Or perhaps risk having your app banned from the Apple App Store. And this all makes sense because the woke are not here to create. They are here to stop us from having a wrong thought. The woke don't push the boundaries of concepts as artists used to want to do, as ad industry creatives and Hollywood creators wanted to do in the past. Instead, this generation wants to strictly enforce the rules, its sense of morality, and and impose that on you. Uh, Contribution, then, is not inventing something that challenges your perceptions or your convictions as art used to do, but instead it's about what artistic expression have you stopped. That's what counts. What speech that might offend someone did you stop today? And I literally saw this on LinkedIn just like two days ago. And I'll put it in the show notes again. This is a creative, a a CCO of a creative shop, literally talking to her coworkers, bragging about all the work she stopped because it was uh, not adhering to diversity, equity, and inclusion guidelines. And her final line in her post says, what work have you stopped? What work... Can I put the kibosh on because I'm making the world a better place by controlling your thoughts, your speech? What creative expression have I stopped lest it make someone feel, quote-unquote, unsafe? That's the question the woke ask. This is the totalitarian pressure coming from the bottom up, reinforcing the top-down pressure to conform from companies like, yes, Apple. So... We return to Apple now. As Apple moles banning Elon Musk's Twitter, becoming Big Brother, the very thing they once stood against, meanwhile, Apple is busy in China limiting Chinese citizens' airdrop capabilities, obviously at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party. Basically, according to reports, Apple is making it so Chinese protesters can only use the, quote, everyone option on airdrop for 10 minutes. 
then it switches back to contacts only, uh, making it hard to distribute content to strangers in mass, which is something you would need when you're organizing a protest. So that's Apple supporting the tyrannical Chinese Communist Party, helping put a boot on the Chinese people who are in perma lockdown for some impossible zero COVID policy that China's trying to enforce. And recently, because the Chinese are having their apartment buildings welded shut by the CCP, a number of fires have broken out and burned people alive. We've seen in videos people falling from windows rather than be incinerated in their apartments. So the Chinese people are protesting this. They're sick of the lockdowns. They're sick of zero COVID policy. But of course, Apple's not on the Chinese people's side They are on the CCP's side, just as Apple is apparently not on the average American side by supporting free speech. They are on the side of censorship and Big Brother. Apple, it seems, is happy to surveil us, to monopolize the market, to be censorial and ban apps from their app store, potentially, and to even kowtow to the Communist Chinese Party and help squash the protests by the Chinese people but let you exercise your First Amendment rights? Not so much. And even the richest man in the world is discovering what it's like to go up against the thought police at Apple, who have gotten into bed with big government and powerful interest groups like the WEF, the EU, the UN, and has become, ironically, just another arm of the state. They have become, yes, big brother. So I propose that Apple changed the words to one of their famous spots, Think Different. I've now entitled it more appropriately, Think Similar. And without further ado, here is Apple's new ode to censorship and conformity. Here's to the obedient ones, the conformists, the submissive, the compliant, the round pegs and the round holes, the ones who see things similarly. They love rules, and they only have respect for the status quo. You can praise them, agree with them, agree with them, and yes, agree with them. About the only thing you can't do is challenge them, because they'll cancel you and push the human race backwards. And while some see them as revolutionaries, we see brainless consumers Because the people who are woke enough to think they can make the world perfect are the ones who never do. Thank you for joining the AdWoke podcast. Remember, you're not crazy. They are.